0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Start. I'm your host, Patrick Johnson. And this is three weeks away from the end of the season. Um, we've got this episode and then two more episodes and a recap. So I guess like four uh, four more episodes after this one. What I'm trying to say is that we're the season's almost over. I am incredibly sad that it's almost over because I think it's been really fun. I'm also somewhat relieved that I'll, I'll get to have a break for a little bit. Uh, before I start the podcasting machine back up again it'll be fun Um, I'm probably gonna do a recap episode where I will you know delve into some of those details a little bit more so definitely check into that also if you have any feedback good bad the ugly the great whatever things you like things you don't like people you'd like to see on the show email me tweet at me write me a letter visit me at work I don't care just tell me I would love to get your input um, enough about that. This week's episode, we're with a really special guest. Um, he's got a pretty legit beard and some pretty long hair and some really serious high top sneakers. He goes by the name of Randy Hunt. He is the VP of design at Etsy. You may know the company, you may not. Um, to so my story with Randy. Before we even get into the interview, I've known about him for a while. I think I think we all have, right? Like when When you are at such a high level in a company that is so profoundly involved in design, so not just the industry, but design within their product, design within their experience, design within their culture and core, you definitely know who those companies are, and you know the people behind them. And Randy is one of those guys. Um, But I followed Randy for a while. I found out that he grew up in Florida. Uh, He grew up in Deltona. You went to UCF, similar to Jackie Balzer, uh, who was a previous guest on season two. And I grew up in Orlando. And then I went to school at University of South Florida, which is in Tampa. So I had like a, a a homie kind of soft spot. You know, like, oh, hey, this guy's like pretty awesome. He does great work. And he's from Orlando. Like, that's so cool. I definitely want to connect with him. Um, the bigger thing is that I also wanted to talk to him. Because I find it interesting, and you guys might do this too, let's say you're out at a bar and you meet somebody who works in your industry or an adjacent industry the same way that uh, development is adjacent to design. You meet them, you find out that you guys are from the same state, you're from the same city, and then maybe you went to like rival high schools. Um, And you can sort of connect on that kind of stuff. And that definitely happened in in some of this episode here. So it was really nice to meet somebody from Florida uh, who may or may not have some of the same Floridian quirks that I have as well, um, but yeah. So I, you know, I've known Randy. I, well, I've known of Randy for a while. I reached out to him when I, when I was younger, early in my professional career, uh, and just wanted to say thanks for some of the really uh, motivational words that he was sharing on the internet. It wasn't to anybody in particular, but that's when I realized that, like you know, I'd love to sit down and chat with this guy. Luckily, he said yes when I asked him, and um, in this episode. I traveled to the Etsy offices and him and I had a pretty lengthy chat in some random conference room, but needless to say, they got a pretty badass office. Obviously it's decked out in all Etsy stuff. Talk about that a little bit in the episode, but what we really talk about is Randy's upbringing, sort of how he got into design, how he found his way into Etsy. And it's, to me, it's an interesting story, you know, the way I'm summing this up, and these are my words and not his, is that he sort of wandered his way early early on in his career. He worked in Central Florida. He worked there for three years at a small shop. He got to learn to lay of the land. He did a little bit of design, a little bit of project management, a little bit of strategy, a little bit of branding. He got to, to wear a couple of hats. Came up to New York, got a taste of it up here. Um, along the way, he was able to really instill some of the qualities that he learned early on from his father, and just that any um good son is going to learn. Uh, you know, it, it it's interesting though, because sometimes people throw those things by the wayside, but in Randy's career, and and you'll learn this throughout the episode, some of the things that he some of the places he worked, some of the things that he started on his own, and then how he ended up at Etsy, um, a lot of it was backed by like his moral values and ethical values. Um, you know, it was he mentioned at one point in the episode that like, he was questioning like, the purpose of, the, of a client's business or why they're taking on this client and if it meets their um, integrity and values. And I think that's definitely something that's valuable to think about. Granted, you know, there's always a balance if you're running a company. That matters, but keeping the lights on also matters. So it's really interesting to hear how Randy evolved in his career. Needless to say, like, he really followed his internal compass, which ended, not ended, but took him to Etsy, which is where he's at now. Yeah, he's just a really cool guy. Uh, little did you know, maybe, he ran this thing called Supermarket, which was technically like an Etsy competitor, just substantially smaller, and that's how he met the folks, the fine folks from Etsy, and that's how that relationship got started, uh, but there's a lot more than that in this episode, so... I'm going to leave you guys to it and girls to it. The one thing I say before I send you into the episode or my discussion with Randy is if you can share this with your friends, if you aren't a subscriber, please subscribe. Um, If you could rate or review the podcast or just generally send us some good vibes, some internet hugs, some high fives, whatever. It's all good. But without further ado, this is my discussion with Randy Hunt of Etsy. This is the start. Thanks for joining me on the start. I really, really appreciate it. The Etsy offices are really, really cool.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, um, Yeah, it's a little crazy out
0: there. (laughs) Well, Lauren was telling me that you guys are in the, the process of moving internally, but also later down the road, you're probably going to be moving to a new location.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so we have a new location identified. We're moving in 2016. Oh, okay. I
0: thought it was a lot sooner than that.
1: No, so it's a... Yeah, it'll be about a year away from now. you okay, so you, year in a few yeah. months.
0: You guys aren't packing up for that just yet.
1: No, no, we're in the middle of you know the design process for that, so space. that location.
0: Yeah. Oh wow.
1: Um, while at the same time, we're still growing here. So, <laughs> Yeah, there's temporary. Yeah. We just opened up a new suite down the hallway, and some of the teams moved down there. That's, so that's gotta be fun. It is really fun. It's interesting. I mean, it's a. Uh, Like, working on any sort of large, fast, big thing, there's a lot of stuff in parallel. So one has a long time horizon, one has a shorter time horizon. And,
0: like, balancing priorities for that is probably not the funnest task, but something that needs to be done anyways, right? Because, like, you've got to make decisions on both, but one's a little bit more immediate and one's a little bit more long-lasting. Yep. I don't know. I envy you, but don't envy you. for that. (laughs) But the other cool thing that Lauren mentioned is that, I guess, some of the stuff that you guys have in the space, like decoration and stuff... Are actual Etsy sellers?
1: Yeah, a vast majority of it is. Yeah. Someone
0: said, um, I guess you guys have like knitting on some of the vents. Yeah. And the seller's store or the seller's name is Knitta Please. Yeah. That's
1: so great. That's yeah, good. It's so
0: silly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Um <laughs> so getting into so you're the creative director here, correct? Yep. Now, is it And I'm asking this because I honestly don't know. I know you guys, I do know that you guys have offices across the globe. Mm -hmm. So do you oversee design for Etsy quote unquote globally, Mm -hmm. even though I know that we're, you're headquartered in New York, or do you see it sort of in this office? I don't know how that works because you guys aren't an agency, right? So you don't have different directions based on culture. You're a product company.
1: Yep. Um, So I oversee all the design at Etsy. Okay. And in fact, it's probably easiest to talk. There's sort of four distinct groups that I'm responsible for. Um, all of whom have their own, you know, um, leaders or, or managers that, you know, um, that I'm responsible for. So one is a group that we call brand design. Okay. And they're essentially doing visual identity design for marketing, communications, art direction, you know, uh, design for advertising, okay. physical ephemera events, all that stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another group we call um, brand marketing, mm-hmm. which are essentially like brand design strategic partners. So they understand audience, audience segmentation. They also are all of our content marketing and social media. Okay. Um, they also handle things like media buys for ad campaigns and, you know, overall like campaign strategy. Um, so they work closely together, but are kind of two distinct, um, distinct groups. Then there's the largest group, um, which we call product design, which is essentially mm-hmm. designing software products of so the website, the apps, yep. related experiences. Um, and then the fourth group is our research group, with it, which includes both um, quantitative and qualitative research. So um, user surveys and studies, as well as sort of observational, like UX research and uh, interviews and things. That's really cool. Yeah. Um,
0: if we were to rewind all the way back to your upbringing and i say this sarcastically fantastic florida
1: mm-hmm.
0: what uh what was it like
1: where'd you grow up in florida uh i grew up in a suburb of orlando called deltona
0: is deltona technically a
1: suburb i always thought it was
0: between the land and daytona that's what i thought the name came from i don't know oh, interesting
1: it's a uh, it is between it's about halfway between Daytona and Orlando, so it's closer than DeLand. Okay. It sits, right, it sits right next to Sanford. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and, I mean, at least it felt, you know, 30-minute drive from Orlando, yeah. so I guess that, that makes it a suburb. No, that's a uh, fair point. Yeah. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it was good. I mean, <laughs> in a funny way, parts of it felt so – normal or so like average yeah and i don't say that in like a negative way yeah um i would say the the single most sort of defining thing for me is that my parents were super supportive of anything i got into yeah uh
0: what did they do just in for their profession
1: um my dad was an um, electrical engineer okay sort of originally in Doing repairs on like aircraft in the military. He was in the oh, air wow. force. Okay, so like in Vietnam and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He repaired electrical systems and some big aircraft. stuff. Um, and then later, um, he basically got into the telephony business. So he was doing like electrical engineering for telephone companies. Oh, cool. Um, sort of pre-internet, you know, big yeah, switches yeah, yeah. and stuff. And then uh, as as that industry progressed, um, he essentially started was doing similar work in configuring systems that went from sort of electrical engineering to essentially software engineering. Like all of the, you know, all of the product became software. So the company was still building, you know, it's all B2B stuff. So big gear to, you know, local telephone companies and Mm -hmm. stuff. But then he was like essentially configuring the software systems and installing the software systems that control the phone system. So that's how we got into um, more like IT uh, and sort of software system management in sort of an enterprise sense. So now he, um, he works in the IT department at like a research hospital. Oh, that's cool. Yeah.
0: That's really cool. What about your
1: mom? Um, my mom was uh, always worked in, in banking. Okay. Sort of like the customer service side of banking, mm-hmm. um, either a teller or kind of like a loan officer or things like that. So it's
0: safe to say neither of them were um, in the creative in the, in the artistic realm Of things? Well, at least for...
1: Not professionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, My mom was always a crafter. Okay. Um, Did she make you like... Making quilts and things like that.
0: Good thing she... Well, hopefully she wasn't making you like clothes, like polyester jumpers that she would make you wear to school or something.
1: No, I mean, when I was much younger, she would certainly do things like make, uh, you know, um, costumes and things like that or, you know, sort of special occasion things. Um, But of course, she she definitely grew up in in... like in a large family, five sisters and one brother. Oh wow. Seven kids. And you know, they grew up with their mother like making their clothing and then they learned those skills and things. Uh, um, that's interesting. My yeah. um my mother's one of seven as well. Yeah. But I don't know
0: that my grandmother I think instead of making clothes, she just took them to like Goodwill or you know, whatever the, yeah, sure. the Salvation Army. Yeah. Cause you gotta figure and your mom probably had the same situation. Like the oldest got the new clothes and then you got clothes that were like three years old or
1: X years old, depending on where you fell in the chain. Yep. Um, and then my dad was both a musician. Um, and ever since I knew as a, as a kid, he was always into woodworking. Oh, wow. Um, making all sorts of things, whether they were for sort of furniture or like home projects or more um I don't know if you call them like expressive things. Like he would do whittling, you know, like okay. carving yeah, yeah. technique. And Stuff uh,
0: that wasn't necessarily for purpose. Yeah. I'm using air quotes like, yeah, yeah. you know, you build a table because you need a table. Yeah. Whereas you you don't necessarily whittle because you need to whittle. yeah. But yeah, yeah he yeah.
1: built like model planes. I remember being into model planes for a while. And he built uh, gliders, like model plane gliders. So they're engineless
0: oh so they okay. have electric
1: motors to control everything mm-hmm. there's a sort of launching system they can be dragged up by other remote control planes where this is crazy like launching system with these big like cables on the ground that basically like throw the planes up into the air That's so cool. and then you pilot them around just uh
0: do you know johnny hallman i do yeah his dad and i only know it's because he did it like a creative mornings talk yep. but his dad did something similar like his dad would make planes but i think that they were powered by like a rubber band like he'd wind up a rubber band and that's that would be like the launching mechanism to get those planes yeah in the air that's so crazy that yeah. like i don't know it i guess it makes sense right for i'm 26 so for me that doesn't that's nothing that i would do it's just not in my realm of interest but i could see for someone who would, who would be the age of my father how that like i could say you grew up with that kind of stuff and yeah. the interest sort of moves into it
1: yep so i was kind of always surrounded by that part of Sort of making of things mm-hmm. and also that just that little bit of sort of like you have this idea and you can turn it into something. Yeah. You can make It's make not just an idea. Yeah. Um, and then just like music was sort of always around, um, which to me I feel like there's a sort of a lot of parallels or like yeah. relationships. And um, did you do any, uh, did you
0: take part in any of these creative outlets or did like, so it's, it definitely sounds like you mentioned that your parents were supportive, but yeah. were they? Were you like, I know when I was a kid, I took like art classes, yeah. uh, like drawing classes in the summer and stuff. Were you doing that kind of stuff? Like, were you always interested into... I mean, at this point, it's more product design, which is obviously a very yeah, evolved yeah. sense of what you may have
1: been doing as a kid, but was, yeah. were you doing anything in the world like that? Yeah, I mean, I was always involved with the, like projects with my dad for sure, even when I was like young. I mean, basically until I sort of you know, moved out or something. And then even then later we collaborated on some little software, software oh, really? projects and stuff. Yeah. That's so cool. We built some, a couple of like small CMSs for like specialized purposes and things. How old were you when you were doing that? Oh, probably like 20.
0: And what were you helping him with like his professional work stuff? No, no. sort of the oh, other okay. way around. I had
1: like project ideas. Gotcha. Or would, okay. Cause that'd be kinda, hilarious. We both kind of got into rails. And so we were just like oh, experimenting, wow. making like rails apps. It's kind of the early days of early days of Ruby on rails. Um that that's a good little bonding moment. Though. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. You and your dad We're to like learn rails. Checking in code to subversion and sending yeah. each other <laughs> commit messages and stuff. Um yeah, it's pretty awesome. I was also into music, like by the time I was probably fifteen or so. It felt like all of my you know creative energy was going into um music, like mostly playing guitar and like cycling through a bunch of kind of high school punk bands, yeah, and playing shows.
0: And, how many bands were you in? Oh, I don't know, probably. Wait, how probably does that like, work with the high school dynamic, though? Because it's like, do you do you uh, leave one band and then go to another, and now there's this like animosity?
1: Yeah, or uh, no, there's never so much of that, or at least not for me personally. One, all almost always these were like I was sort of the band leader, okay, in some sense. So that kind of it ends up setting that tone for some other things later. Like I'd often start things. Mm -hmm. um, They often had some business component. I was like fairly entrepreneurial from a young age. And, um, there's all like, you know, being in a band involves like some element of kind of like marketing and buzz building in addition to the side of creative work, you know? Uh, and so, no, it would be more like that band just kind of winding down and you'd gotcha. start another one yeah, or, yeah. like, yeah, another concept for how, like, the band would – a different kind of music or different approach mm-hmm. to it, so you'd start another band. But really probably, like, five or six. And then a, as I got a little bit older, like, when I was in college, you'd, and just more comfortable probably with my skills, you'd, like, fill in in another band. Yeah, you know, yeah. you'd, like, know these guys and maybe they were coming through town and you'd fill in for their guitarist or something like that. See, yeah.
0: I didn't know – I want to say, like, in recent, like, rock slash pop rock, whatever music, I didn't realize that people were so flexible. Like, um, do you see the movie Frank? No, I don't think so. It's, like, it's a weird movie. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's in it. Okay. And I forget the guy's name. I'm going to look him up. But he's he's the main character. Um, The the premise of Frank is that, like, it's uh, this guy in England – He's like working a a road to nowhere kind of job. Like he's just at a desk. He doesn't know what the hell he wants to do with his life. And he wants to be a musician. And in the beginning, he rolls up to this van. He's like just walking to work or whatever. And he's trying to think of music um, or like lyrics, something to inspire him. And then he sees this van and the van doors open. And he looks towards the water and it's in the winter. Um, And there's this dude that's like freaking out, basically trying to drown himself in the water in the freezing cold. And then he comes upon these two other guys who are just sort of watching him, like watching this guy freak out. Then the the police roll up. They pulled the dude out of the water. He like basically went crazy and come to realize it was this band. And it was a band that was touring and he knew the, like he knew who the band was. They weren't like super huge, yeah. but they were big within their little, little corner of the music world. Yeah. And he's just like, well, who is that guy? And they're like, yeah, that's our keyboardist. I guess he's not a keyboardist anymore, and he's like, "Well, I play the keyboard." And then like they like go talk. He's like, "Be here at nine o'clock." So he fills in. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the movie is like crazy. the 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 lead singer wears like a big head, like okay. he wears like a. To me, it reminds me of like what would be like a big paper mache head. Yeah, and that's like his thing. He wears that the whole time. The movie's really good. So watch, definitely watch the movie. But the point I was making in that very long story was I didn't know that you could just shuffle around bands. Like I didn't think that that thing exists. Like I don't know. I guess out of like professional courtesy, I didn't realize that people were just fine with like, oh hey, our drummer isn't going to make it tonight. You know, he's doing X Y Z. Can you fill in? Okay. I didn't know. I had no idea that that was a thing. But it makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, my guess is it probably depends. You know, yeah. they get it like depends what the tone of that group of people is. Probably works better with lower egos or with like a mutual understanding. I've definitely been in environments where like people haven't liked, you know, things like that. Like but outsiders yeah. coming in or whatever. Yeah. But
0: and you were—I take it you were playing a lot in downtown Orlando.
1: Yeah, it was mostly in Central Florida. Um, yeah, downtown Orlando. Uh, what was the name of that club? The Social. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it had the, another name before that.
0: Uh, I remember that. It was a good spot though, because if, at least if you're. I went there for a couple of concerts and it was large enough that you could fit a crowd in there but it was small enough that it wasn't like td waterhouse which i don't think it's called anymore um well it's super wide too so everything's kind of close to the stage which is nice exactly and that's what i liked like i i remember i saw motion city soundtrack there and i was like you know arms length away from the lead singer dude Mm -hmm. which was cool like it wasn't like shell shocked that like oh my god I'm so close. It was just cool to be like you know you're not like six feet then a barricade then another six feet away from yeah, yeah. the performance. It was Totally.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good, a lot of good shows. There. I remember seeing Iron and Wine there, and uh, it turns out it's the it's the show that's on the there's these iTunes exclusive live recordings. Oh really? And, uh, and that was the one. Yeah, and it's great because the one guitarist who's kind of playing the slide guitar, I can't remember what the song is, he totally messes up in the middle of it. <laughs> and then he sort of like teases him afterwards and it's all, the, it's, the, awesome. it's all in the iTunes album. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's great.
0: Um, what year did you... So you went
1: to UCF, correct? Yep. What did you study? I studied... Well, I studied graphic design and... Other stuff in their fine arts department, essentially. Gotcha. Um, I had, well, the first year that I went there was the first year of this program they were starting called the Digital Media Program. Uh Do you know Jackie Balzer? No. Because
0: I think it's Jackie Balzer. She's been uh, a guest on the show. Okay. I think she went to UCF, too, and I think she did the same thing. Okay. I think.
1: So I went there, and it's funny. There's interesting life lessons in this, in a way, I think, too. I didn't realize that, they wouldn't have it all figured out. You know, like, like well, and I, I understand how a university works now. I under, I've, like, seen plenty of large, complex organizations. Yeah. Uh, so my experience there is probably, like, fairly typical for something like this. Mm-hmm. But I stepped in and was like, why doesn't? Why don't these people know the answer? Or the <laughs> curriculum was very vague. Or they'd send you across campus to some department to figure something out. And they'd have no idea what you were talking yeah. about, you know. Uh, and But the, the basic premise of this thing was a curriculum they're basically like the intersection of computer science and the arts is where it's at. Yep. And they named it digital media for whatever, even at that time that felt like a misnomer. Yeah. It felt like that should have been the name of it 10 years earlier, <laughs> you know? Um, but it was like a collaboration between their fine arts department or just their arts department, which is essentially all fine arts except for this like graphic design component. There was no other like applied, gotcha. applied design. In there, yeah. Or, or um, uh, and then their computer science program. And they had some rough curriculum that was like half the credits from one, half the credits from the other, or yeah. something like that. Um,
0: well, the I, heard, I was listening to somebody else talk, totally different podcast, but they were talking about education. It's actually incredibly hard to get a state-certified and approved curriculum for a lot of courses, which is why, and I don't know that that's the case with this one, but if you ever see a teacher or – You and I won't because we're out of college, but if you – when you have a kid who's old enough to be in college and they're like, oh, yeah, there's this new course coming up. Usually what ends up happening is it's some kind of loophole um, that allows them to do this course on the fly, which is why it's very vague typically Mm -hmm. because otherwise things have to be very focused. Like to actually get an updated curriculum for a program or for a degree-seeking program takes like five years. It's crazy how fast it, it or how fast it doesn't move. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs>
1: how fast it doesn't move. I'm going to quote you. For now. <laughs> yeah. uh, what ended up happening though is I got there were sort of required these sort of required lower level like fundamental classes in the art department that were like prerequisites for these other more advanced ones. But mm-hmm. because of their scheme, you had to have the advanced ones as part of this degree program. Okay. So you, you kind of got you had to go through this same lower level stuff that all of the arts, all the people who are purely going for these arts degrees are going for these are fun you know design one i mean really like fundamental stuff like drawing squares on rectangles and composing things like super formal like color theory stuff and um figure drawing and all these things and one i really love that process not that those things were new to me or newly of interest they just weren't totally my focus but i love the the sort of rigor, especially of their, like, drawing program. There was mm-hmm. really intense drawing program. They took pride in that. Like, drawing and etching, interestingly. Um, <laughs> and I just loved the intensity of the teachers and, like, the workload and stuff. Yeah. It was really fun to me, um, even though I had no aspirations to, like, draw. Yeah. Uh, really liked the process. And then later, I started taking some printmaking courses there, and it really kind of clicked for me. Because they were, they were all presented in the context of, like, fine arts printmaking, like, making you know um limited edition art books or gotcha. serographs and etchings like you know print editions as like you know sort of fine works yeah. um but the teachers were sort of supportive enough and sort of understood where i was coming from and they sort of let me treat all those same courses as more like design so i go to the same critiques present the same stuff but while people were making like sort of you know a series of screen prints to be like you know had yep. something. I was making like rock posters, <laughs> but I was doing all the same technical stuff, sure. right? Like learning about the technical process, doing interesting techniques and things. Mm-hmm. And we'd sort of have some formal critique about them, but I was definitely doing like graphic design projects. Did the, that, uh, were you the only one doing that? Yeah, for the most part. Um, although I will say that there's a little bit of a component. Maybe it was just the moment in time or the sort of, you know, because we were a group of friends or something, you know, there's the, People who kind of used graphic design in their art. Do you know yep. what I mean? Like, yep, totally. I mean, a ham fisted example, but you know, you'd take just like a, a shepherd fairy or something like this, where like it all looks and feels like graphic design, you could put it in like an art context. And you know, there's people kind of doing things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and so, like, there was some of that going on in the sense of like people were, you know, creating these more graphic images and like setting type and, you know, but that was the minority like in general these things felt more like image making art mm-hmm. uh which is an interesting stru- like interesting place where i think some people come into even like that art education with an interest in sort of the long tradition and history of art and want to like make images yeah and other people like appreciate like come to it more through the lens of like contemporary art mm-hmm. and are like highly conceptual yeah um it is always interesting to see those things happening in, like, the same critiques at the same time.
0: It's Art's an interesting thing only because it's super subjective, not only from the person making the art, but re- realistically the person viewing or the person purchasing that art. Um, and then the other thing is that there's, like, real no – there's really no, like, delineation in terms of, like – I'm using this term loosely, like a career path. Like, yeah. if you work in, if you get a degree in fine arts and you plan to to stay on that course, right. you don't graduate, and go apply somewhere. You just sort of keep doing what you were doing in school, <laughs> and in hopes that you know, I guess the work is good enough. But again, that's subjective. And then you sort of have to put yourself out there in the right places. I, you know, I, I don't know that my personality would have allowed me to ever do that.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, that's interesting. I loved it, though. And so what ended up happening is basically I fell in love with that part of the program more, mm-hmm. even though my intent, I, you know, was very interested in sort of software development at that point, just having, like, hacked away on things, like, yep. in middle and high school and stuff like that, my dad being, you know, an engineer of sorts. But I just really began to enjoy those classes, particularly the printmaking and, like, the bookmaking classes and things. Mm-hmm. So i like, design these books, so you'd hand bind them and... Um, the whole time, like, my pursuit was trying to make these things and actually have them not feel like they were made by a person. You know, as so I try to be, like, so precise in these books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they're very divergent from the sort of, like, book arts books, yeah. you know. Um, I just loved that stuff. And so um, somewhere before I graduated along the way, I just switched and, like, purely focused on their sort of
0: – On the digital stuff? No,
1: on their, like, arts curriculum. Oh, okay. So I was I didn't get this sort of digital media degree. I just got, like, a arts degree – like a BFA with a focus in graphic design. Gotcha. But I basically took like the bare minimum of the design program courses I could take there and did as many of the like printmaking classes and stuff that I could. And is that, was that just,
0: it sounds like that was just because you found a sheer enjoyment in the, in the printmaking stuff.
1: Yeah. I think the, I had good friends and peers there. So we had like a great like dynamic going, you know, um, that was awesome. Ended up like living with some of them and things like that. Um, the teachers, there was like a couple of teachers that I just really connected with and that was great. And was enjoying the work in the process. Also, I think the design program was like fine, mm-hmm. but not excellent, you know? Um, and at the same time, I was like working part-time at that time at a small design studio. Okay. and So I you're really, getting the design education there or like, the graphic design education I really there? was, you know, because I think what I, what, what I was getting, especially in like the more basic classes in school was really basic fundamentals. And then some things around the, Software and stuff like that. Which actually, it's funny, at the time, I felt like those things were maybe kind of silly. In hindsight, I loved it because you just built up all these technical skills. It wasn't, like, super intellectual. Yeah. But it was like, man, I can, like, fly through these pieces of software, and that just allows me to, like, express my ideas faster or something. So that was great. But all the applying that stuff to, like, a communication problem or thinking about, you know, the sort of client need and how you'd address that with, like, graphic design or visual communication, that all came through working in
0: that studio. studio. Yeah. So, so then you, so you switched over to focus on fine arts, get your BFA. What happens next? Do you go full time at this studio? Was that an option?
1: Yeah. So in fact, I was working almost full time at the studio my whole like last year of school. Um, I had a couple of senior level courses that were sort of like special study things that I was able to essentially like work in the studio and use them for school credit Nice. Which was awesome. Yeah. Uh, two birds with one stone. And then like in the summer breaks between, so I guess it's probably two summers, because I probably worked there for like three years or something. Um, I would work full time during the summer at, oh, the, at the design studio. And spent a ton of, like I just put a ton of my time and energy into it. I just go there on the weekends and you oh, know. What what year was this? This was probably two thousand two to two thousand four or something like that.
0: So what kind of stuff were you designing? And I asked that because you mentioned that you know you took your focus into fully into the fine arts side of your degree yeah. because you were learning all this stuff about the digital media. But 2002 to 2004, digital media was like—I don't want to say it was banner ads. You know,
1: there it wasn't what it is today. So we it was, definitely did make banner ads. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I think it was probably 2002, like three, four, five, probably because I left. Oh no, two, three, four, somewhere in there. Uh,
0: there was. There was MySpace then. That's I true. do know that.
1: Yep. Gmail sort of came into existence, I think, in 2005 or something, right? 2004. Something, or something. like that. Yeah. I was
0: still in, I graduated high school in 2007. Yeah. I entered 2003. Okay. And I got MySpace in like 2004.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I remember being super pumped about um, uh, Basecamp. They, <laughs> they, this again, this predates Gmail. Yeah. And it had been following like 37 Signals when they were essentially a client service design shop. Yeah. Uh, and then they sort of announced that product and I remember we signed up at the studio like essentially the day it came out and mm-hmm. we were like, man, this solves all of our communication problems. <laughs> uh, it was great. Um, the there's certainly things like banner ads. So there was a body of work where this is a pretty small design, like boutique design shop. It was called Juicy Temples. And in fact, when I, the moment I started working there, it was like just the founder and then me. It had been larger at points. He had scaled back. He had, you know, the business had kind of ebbed and flowed in its size for a handful of years. And so it happened to be that the moment I kind of approached him, it was literally just him. He was kind of like maybe about to scale up, like hire another, you know, couple designers or something. But he kind of had this space that, you know, handled a team of 10 or something. Yeah. It was like kind of a proper little design shop. He was building a screen printing like studio in the back. Oh, so wow. like so it was almost like a playground zoom. for you. It was awesome. He was super supportive. We were really connected on, like, music, too. We had similar, like, music taste. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we really kind of hit it off. It was great. We were, like, good compliments for each other. And um, I was also just much more... There's always been a part of me that's interested in the sort of, like, operational parts of these things. or almost, like, the non-design part of design. Mm-hmm. I think that was also a good compliment at the time. I've learned this about myself then. So I I would do things like handle some other, like, email communications with clients at certain points or help like put together proposals and things Mm -hmm. like that, which also just helped me learn a lot about the business 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 side of design. Um, So part of this work was just small to medium business, medium sized businesses, Mm -hmm. mostly local, but not always identities, you know, businesses starting like, you know, new logo, new kind of like general, like brand identity or basically like brand positioning, sometimes advertising, um, We'd often like bring in you know freelance copywriters to help and like conceive that stuff. Some of those things also started to have web components then. And I was kind of the like as the studio grew, not that I was the only person, but I was just one of a couple people who are much more like versed in that stuff. Um so I'd be doing things like building the simple pages as well. Like for me, there's kind of always never been a separation between something on the, you know something to design for the web and then the technology behind making it happen. Yeah. They've always just been like so closely aligned together. So it well, probably being, makes you a like much
0: better designer in what you're doing. Not so much that you know the limitations, but you realize that what you design
1: doesn't happen in a, in a vacuum. Yeah. Right? Well, I think it's an interesting thing. Like I, it's, there are definitely, there can be a downside to knowing your limitations, but I think one for my sort of aesthetic and the kinds of problems I'm attracted to having a clear sense of those limitations doesn't seem to be that much of a hindrance. Yeah. So my tendency and the problems I'm attracted to aren't the things that are like completely blow this thing out and make it this like wild thing that no one's ever experienced before, irregardless of whether the technology can handle it or not. Yeah. The problems I'm attracted to are much grittier, you know, and they're like complex experiences and stuff like that. (laughs) We're really like understanding the limitations of the technology or mapping like, the technology to your skill sets, of the time you have available, or these things. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. you can just be like, I'm gonna scope this thing way down, and here's how, it, like, no, here's, what, here's cool. what can be done simply. Yeah, now we're gonna like design something great in that within those limitations. You know, so there's waves of work like that. These some of these were just like brochure aware sites, yeah. so they'd slightly get it more, you know, more... a focused. lot of the times
0: back then, that's sort of what most of the internet was, right? Totally, yeah.
1: Uh, and then there was things like lots of like flash banner ads, or even like simple like flash game kind of things. That we oh, would cool. Make. Um, and then we'd have another wave of work that was really like doing work for larger agencies that were in town or sometimes like other larger like national agencies. So you have this big ad agency that would get like, you know, mostly at that time still like media, you know, most of the stuff is the media buy, right? So it's yeah. a big outdoor advertising campaign for this like wireless company or something yeah, like that. Go board, whatever. Yeah. We might do the graphic identity of that little thing they're marketing or maybe like the typographic lockup and some art direction for the photography, but really the advertising strategy and all that was being handled by this agency. Yeah. We come in and do the visual design, but then we might also build out the, you know, build the web. It's still pretty fun though, though right? Because yeah. You, as, as bad as this can sound, you get to have the fun without the headache. Well, a lot of the executional parts, which is sort of just the craftsmanship part, especially yeah. like at that age and like I was hungry to learn. So it was super fun. The idea of we'd like make these little animated flash banners and you keep them under this like, you know, file size. And that stuff felt pretty fresh then too to do like nicely designed versions of those things. Yeah, uh, Always kind of felt like the exception rather than the rule. But it was pretty, it was fun stuff. Um, and then there's all, another wave of work there that was more like um, the studio generated stuff. Mm-hmm. Not there was, It's not like we were selling products or anything like that, but a lot of like rock posters, like the... The founder of the studio is really into that sort of flat stock and like rock poster scene. And so we'd make a lot of cool. band posters and stuff and screen print them ourselves and uh and other like lots of other sort of like studio promo and the studio identity stuff. We'd do these crazy pitches. Um I remember res- we responded once to this like RFP from one of the design teams out at Disney. I can't remember which one, they have a few different like creative departments, and we basically created this. What looked like a giant package of gum. you know, like a five pack of yeah. gum or one of these kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Took all this prototyping and stuff because the one we finally delivered was essentially sealed up. You had to like pull that little foil thing off of it. Oh, it was wow. probably about a foot and a half long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every stick of gum that you pulled out had like another portfolio piece like wrapped up inside. <laughs> it was this big. Like, that's so cool. All this, you know, we had to prototype this out a few times because so the last one you like spray adhesive, it closed and it was yeah, like sealed. Yeah, yeah. And we like, that's so cool. it. Down you guys things get the like business? That. I don't think we did on that one, actually, <laughs> which is, like, so, um, in some ways, almost so appropriate. because like you could have pitched that work with, like, a, you know, a yeah. five-page PDF or something. Exactly. But, yeah. That's how long, how long? Is so much fun to make it.
0: Oh, I bet. No, that sounds like it was a cool spot to, like, experiment. And it sounds like you had, and don't, I don't want to put words in your story, but it sounds like there was direction. But also yeah, yeah. Oh, there sure. was opportunity to take your own direction. Totally.
1: Yeah. And I think like as time passed, a lot of the the sort of messaging ideas and almost that more like strategy was really collaborative, mm-hmm. you know, so I felt like I had a lot of say in that stuff, like, you know, brainstorming meetings and things like that was super open. Um, and then when it came to the execution, the owner, like that's where I learned all the. Basics of typography and stuff. Yeah. I had like I felt like I had good taste. Like I felt like I knew these things I liked and I was track and stuff when it came to executing them. That's where I learned like a ton, and that was awesome. But
0: that's like uh, Ivory Glass when he talked about the gap. Like you have um, you have very good taste. You understand what good aesthetic is. You understand what good design is. And I'm speaking honestly. You could remove design. You understand what good X is. Yeah. Um, you know how to identify it, but your ability to create it. Doesn't meet your taste level yet, yep. and oftentimes, and it sounds like you ran into this too. Um, the only way that you make
1: those two things coexist is to just keep creating. Totally, yeah. Just work, just working on it, and the fact that it was like good feedback. Like I think as as a sort of art director on those like detailed things, he was um, just good at providing feedback. Sometimes really technical, sometimes more just like you know taste stuff, mm-hmm. but. Really trusted them and it worked. And that definitely informed my the process of how I do those things and just my, uh, certainly the technical things as well. Yeah. You know? How long were you there for? It's probably about three years, I think. Okay. Might have been a little short of three years. And then after I graduated college, I mean, at that point, the studio was probably like 12 people or something like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's funny. I mean, some of this is probably like, sort of young arrogance or like immature sort of confidence but I felt like I kind of felt like that business wasn't going the way the business should even though it was 25 I mean it had gone from like two people to 12 over the course of four years and like yeah. so it was going well so, yeah it was fine um, lots of good workers coming out of there um, but I think in my mind I had a picture of like how it could be better mm-hmm. and it wasn't it wasn't mine to influence the change you know what I mean mm-hmm. did as much as I could to kind of shape things but at the end of the day it wasn't my thing yeah at the same time I was doing lots of things that were like my thing, yeah, like my art or like music, where I just had more like agency over the overall direction of the thing, yeah, and so I decided like I'm gonna go out on my own like start a like start a studio, oh wow, which started with like you know setting up shop in the living room that I shared with another you know another guy who I also went to school with, and we had screen printing was,
0: was getting another job just not a thought at the time, uh, I only asked it because it. I could see how like ignorance is bliss in that case because you're 25 and you're just like, fuck the man, I'm going to do my thing. But at the same time, were you consider? did you ever at that point consider like, you know, I can find another gig? Or were you just sort of like, no, I'm just going to do my own thing?
1: I mean, I think I thought about it a little bit. I actually like considered the handful of places that I felt like were any good. What was interesting is like the few of them that were sort of other boutique design studios were actually kind of like, they're in the same circle and sort of competitive. Yeah. And I think, right or wrong, I was kind of like, I always looked at it from the view of the place where I worked, which was like, those other guys aren't as good. Even though, like, they're totally awesome, you yeah. know. But there was only, like, three or four of them. And it was, like, a little competitive. Um, and they were, like, this certain almost, like, generation of these designers in, like, that community who had sort of, like, all worked in agencies. Where, like, the people who seemed to really value designing those agencies decided to leave them and start yeah. these, like, this like, group of firms. You know, so they are like, little... It was, like, friendly, competitive. They were probably all
0: drinking buddies, for all we know. Yeah.
1: Um, And so it almost, like, wouldn't cross your mind to, like, go to the other one. It would be, like, you know, crossing the line or something. But also I didn't – I think sometimes I felt like I didn't want the same experience or something. They were doing similar quality work for similar kinds of clients at a similar size. It's really just changing the scenery. Yeah. And uh, the other thing, and this was just – maybe it's because I'd done just – Sort of confidence slash naivete, of, like having done, like started other things and had them like work out. Or sort of hustle at making them work. I didn't fear for like making ends meet, even though like I literally had only five hundred dollars. Like, You're twenty five though, too, right? It's like yeah, at that point I, might, I was probably even younger. I was probably twenty. How old was I? Yeah, twenty two or something and the or reality is, is like
0: if everything fa- and I don't know that this maybe was an, an option efficient. but g- generally speaking since you were still in Orlando if everything failed you could always go back
1: home and, and have dinner with mom totally yeah yeah in fact yeah I was probably about 24 that's probably about right and uh, yeah I had a roommate at a house could afford the rent each month pretty cheap I was like let me get a couple of those like postcard <laughs> gigs and like I'm covered you know <laughs> Uh, in terms of rent, and I'm talking like let me do them on the cheap, you know, let me yeah. get paid three hundred bucks here and like a thing that you're whatever. Uh, so that worked out pretty well, and actually like right away, you know, a good f- friend of mine. I mean, I would say a friend at that time who's like over time become a very very good friend. Also ran a design firm in Boston who I would met through AIGA, and okay. we just always stayed in touch. Since I met him like in an art museum in St. Louis one evening, you know, at some yeah, like design yeah, yeah. conference, we just stayed in close touch, and he. Um, gave me work like right away oh wow I just reached out I was like hey I'm gonna like do this thing and he like sent me a project like almost on day one it's like that was awesome he was busy and he was always like engaging kind of like had a flexible network of people
0: business development
1: yeah and I probably did a project I probably always had a project going for him like maybe one at a time for almost as long as that studio existed or something was the 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 name of uh, what did you call yourself the studio is called Citizen Scholar okay Where'd that come from? Um, It was sort of an aspirational name. It's hard to like like, rewind in time and try to imagine that like when I started this, this was 2000, was it January 1, 2005? That might have been it. Something like that. Uh, I have to look back. It's kind of crazy. It still exists as a legal entity now in New York. Um, The idea of like social responsibility and design was in, like, pretty nascent stages. And it had a wave, like, in the 90s. Yeah. the Sort of, like, Tibor Kalman wave of things. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, like, came to pass in the design industry. It kind of, like, went away. And, like, it wasn't really back yet. Mm-hmm. The idea of, like, designers feeling that sense of, like, um, yeah, just sort of social responsibility and... I went deep down that path. When we were at, like, the, the design studio, I was like, why are we taking this client? They, you know. Oh, wow. Things like that. And what do you and, tell you? It's because they help keep the lights on. Yeah, sometimes and sometimes. Yeah. Um, or you do the other sort of, like, rationalization about why it makes yeah. sense, you know. Um, and a lot of the clients were fine. You know, it's not like like we were sitting around doing work for oil and tobacco companies. or anything Yeah. Like that. But um, the... Uh, so the name was really... I don't remember the exact, like, moment of inception or anything, but it was intended to kind of, like, describe the intent of the studio and Mm -hmm. the kinds of people we'd want to work with. So it was a really, like, a a distinct sort of, like, positioning idea. In fact, the official name was Citizen Scholar Inc. So it's supposed to be about, like, essentially, like, the role of the citizen Mm -hmm. as, like, a participant in society, right? Scholar about sort of uh, learning through design and using design to Mm -hmm. um, educate and then Inc was like clearly in the name from like the business component. It was like we're gonna like make these three things. We're gonna we're gonna be so a really cool person. Also
0: very smart, help you learn, but we're also incorporated.
1: Yeah. Uh and that was uh yeah, that was that was that. And essentially, I mean the entity kind of still exists. I did that for a little while there, probably only about a year um in Orlando. I knew I wanted to go to grad school, so I had, like applied to grad school. In my in my mind, I was like, I'm just going to keep the like studio work going. Um, yeah, and and I did that. I came up here and went to grad school for two years. And Where'd you go to grad school? SVA. Oh, cool. Okay, and kept that. You know, I didn't have an office space while I was in college or anything like that. I kind of like work from my yeah. Well, office space up here is a lot more expensive than down. Yeah, and would but always had like a few projects going on held on to some good kind of like bread and butter ones that yeah. kept things going so that was like essentially how I like made my living when I moved to New York still and um and then as soon as I graduated from grad school which was like a whole amazing and interesting experience I went back to doing the studio full time so I got space nice in Brooklyn yeah just like started started rocking and had like two different maybe two or three different office two different office locations what wait in New York in Brooklyn yeah
0: Wait, why would you have two different offices? Oh, no, no, no. One and
1: then another. Okay. Not simultaneously. Oh, I'm like, wait, minute. Yeah, no, I'm just kind of like mapping <laughs> it through my time. So, gotcha. Yeah. How long did you keep that running? Was in Greenpoint and one in Williamsburg. Uh, 2009, I was still kind of doing some work. So what happened is one of the clients I had at Citizen Scholar, we are doing some basic like identity and kind of marketing, just mm-hmm. visual stuff, Um for this e-commerce website, the founder of that website had this other business idea that he wanted to work on. And to keep the story short for now, I'm happy to go into detail, um, we ultimately like went into business together to pursue that idea. Oh, wow. And so we made this other site called Supermarket that we launched in 2007, I think. Is that still around? Yeah, December 2007. I think that's right. And, but I'm totally uninvolved. I mean, I basically got Stopped working on that when I came to Etsy. Yep. Um, and then he probably he sold it maybe a year and a half or two years ago. And somewhere in there, like I, was, I still had a few client projects going on, but they got small as Supermarket got bigger. Yeah, I could. What was Supermarket? It. it was kind of like a small subset of Etsy. It was essentially a, it was curated. It was like curated e-commerce marketplace where. Designers could open their own storefronts. It's I mean, interesting. We'd take a percentage of transactions. Yeah. Um, but it was all that, like, basically people either applied to participate or we invited people to participate. Gotcha. So it wasn't the okay. sort of anyone can open a shop kind of thing, which certainly limited its scale and its growth, yeah. but also but it kept created it, a really distinct very point of view. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, I'd say it hindered the business more than it helped it in the long run. Why is that? Because it just limited its ability to grow. The business of supermarket? Uh,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I guess. because... When you're not,
1: when you're limiting the scale in which you can have, you sort of limit the profit you make as well. Well, you're kind of putting the, you're putting bounds around something that inherently kind of in concept is like a network effect business. And you're saying like, yeah. I don't want the network to extend. Yeah. Um, or at least I don't want it to extend sort of organically.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, these are their, their pros and cons. I think like we've seen a lot of other people try to pursue that model or other hybrids somewhere between them. And a lot of them not, not work out. Yeah. Um, And I think that like the sort of pure marketplace model, something like Etsy, and then the like pure retail model where people like buying, wholesale, selling, retail, holding inventory still work pretty well. And the stuff that tries to do things in between is really hard to pull off.
0: In between is interesting because it's like uh, there's no real clear definition, right? So I would imagine on the consumer end, since they can't really describe it, Or compare it to a free, complete free marketplace like Etsy. Or a little bit of a more confined, like corporate-y, retail-y, B2B, B2C kind of space. Mm. And you've got something in between. Like, uh, Supply I thought was an interesting, maybe not a a fair example for this, but Supply was...
2: It
0: it was free market. It was totally open. Anyone could go on. Um, I'm not sure how the shops did it, but I have a feeling that there wasn't a very large vetting process for the shops. But you couldn't really buy through the site, so that was always interesting.
1: Right, so it's more like a discovery yeah, experience. And on, right?
0: I mean, the way I sort of defined it to my girlfriend was it's like Pinterest for like well-designed things. Yeah. Or Pinterest for designers. Yeah. Um, just because it's not about weddings, it's more about like, oh, these are some really cool jeans, or yep. this pencil holder is really badass. Like it's but I can see I can see where, and I'm speaking solely for myself, uh, for me it had somewhat of a loose definition. And I don't know that that was the cause of its. Uh, being purchased by eBay and then later shipped down. But I can see where potentially a loose def- if I had a loose definition there might have been other people who have the same thing.
1: Yeah, I am. yeah. Well it's interesting. I mean I've spent a lot of like we could talk for hours about this so I've spent a lot of time pondering the dynamics of those things, having like built some myself and used many yeah. others and now being here. Like <laughs> there's there's a lot of interesting stuff there.
0: What um when did you come to Etsy? And what was I, I guess the real question is at what point were you like, I'm going to go get a regular job? And I use regular again as an air course yeah, this feel, is not a regular job. It doesn't job. feel regular. But around. you're not at a small studio and you're not on your own. You're actually at a very large company.
1: Yep. Well, it's funny. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you know, if you look at the sort of government definition of uh, small to medium businesses, we definitely fit in that bracket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's fair. Um, we're about like 700 employees right mm-hmm. now or so. Um, that's spread out over like seven eight. Yeah, but you know, I always found that interesting because like
0: five hundred five hundred employee companies still considered small to long, small to medium, yeah. but you couldn't fit five hundred people in this room, like you yeah, know what I mean? Oh, that's like yeah, yeah. that's a shit ton of
1: people, yeah, yeah, totally. But it's interesting to put it in perspective, be like it's not twelve thousand, yeah, you know, like it's that's another, Disney, that's another like yeah. order of magnitude. Um, but no, I think I mean what actually happened is the my experience with supermarket kind of felt like it was running it felt like we either needed to ramp stuff up in a big way like make some strategic choice to like make a big shift or i needed to change like personally and my yeah. my partner he was really like we had really healthy conversations about this stuff like it was wasn't confrontational yeah. or anything like that and i think he understood it too i think we all understood that like something needed to yeah. happen he was kind of feeling it too but i think we for different reasons maybe or something um and Actually, Etsy's founder and CEO had reached out to me, like, around that same time. Oh, okay. Uh, Was it because of the supermarket work? Because it sounds like they, not competitors, but in the same space, at the very least. Well, in fact, like, we sort of, supermarket, had had kind of exploratory conversations with Etsy a few times, probably over the previous year. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, kind of vague and fuzzy, anywhere from, like, you know. Do they want to acquire us like, maybe there's a business partnership here. Maybe, like, it's just fun to share knowledge. You know, like, any kind of, like, this vague stuff that happens in conversations like that. And then at that time, there was, like, a different CEO. So Etsy had had, like, a second CEO. Mm -hmm. uh, And the founder wasn't involved. Well, he, like, came back, essentially. Uh, And when he came back, he reached out. um, With the original founder left and then came back. Came back. Okay. And so the people we had been talking to at Etsy, I mean, they were still here, but they weren't it was sort of under separate leadership. Yep. And he came back and was like, "You know, would you be interested in joining?" Yeah.
0: Uh, Etsy. And um, did he make it clear that he was referring to you and not Supermarket? I only asked because I could easily see would you be interested in joining Etsy? I'd be like, yeah, Supermarket would love to. And he's yeah. like, no, no, no. No, it never. was a really interesting I mean- like
1: e- experience there, and I I felt a lot of like loyalty and like friendship with my. Um, with Ryan, you know, the other, like, founder of Supermarket, And um, we just had a really open conversation about that. So, like, one, I had to, like, get to clarity about exactly that question. Because yeah. it wasn't clear to me earlier. We're <laughs> just... Yeah, you're kind of... Inventing this or like figuring it out as you go along, I wasn't sure like exactly how to handle these things, but I almost asked literally that question that you're asking like, well, <laughs> hey, just to be clear, yeah, are you saying like option A or option B? Just yeah. so I understand, I think it's a fair yeah. question, right? Because yeah.
0: you can't, uh, you can't read someone's mind, yeah. And then I talked with um, talked
1: with Ryan about that stuff, and I said, like, hey, I think like, was
0: Ryan your uh, the partner, yeah. Okay.
1: I was like, I'm pretty in like, I'm really interested, like, I'm really intrigued by this. Um, and at that time, I kind of already knew that he he wasn't he didn't want to take a job at like a larger company mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, and and so he was supportive. He was like, "I want you to do like whatever you know, yeah, it you was like would make you happy instead."
0: So I I didn't. I mean, honestly, I knew it, Etsy, Etsy existed for a while, but the amount of times I've been on Etsy's site is very few. I think my girlfriend has a better thumb for scanning through Etsy like I was looking at um this is random but leather like keychains. Yeah. Crazy how many people make leather things in general. It's true. So yeah. I the, the the sheer size is overwhelming for me. But at the time, where was Etsy comparatively to the scale of or size in terms of marketplace and users and stuff to supermarket? Like for for you did you see it as like this is my opportunity to go to a company in the same space? Mm-hmm. But much more established, much more larger. Where I might be able to do bigger, better things, or yeah. were you guys around the same the same growth pattern?
1: Oh, not even close from a growth standpoint. I mean, even at that point, so Etsy was Etsy's like ten years old now. Yeah, so it was like five years old then, um, and Supermarket was maybe like three or something. Oh, uh, okay. The supermarket, I think around the time had maybe twelve hundred shops. Mm-hmm. Etsy okay. had three hundred thousand sellers. <laughs> okay, so they're substantially larger. Yeah. We had, you know, like three and a half employees.
0: Yeah.
1: Etsy had probably 50. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So even then it felt like, I mean, it was the, still is, but, you know, it's like the dominant two-sided marketplace for independent businesses, you know, just what, like.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and then, I mean, it was much smaller, like you could see a lot of potential for the growth of Etsy then. Even that felt really big then, though, because it was really the first wave of this stuff. You know, yeah. there's no there was no real precedent for it. Yeah, so it felt like the it was like the defining version of that thing was that. Say?
0: Well, now I'm realizing it too. Is you? It sounds like you came on and
1: there was about 50, and now you said there's 700. Yeah. So it's
0: grown leaps and bounds.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, myself and another designer started the same week, and we were like the two designers on staff. Really, that was it.
0: Yeah. How. Granted, you're you're at a much smaller scale company of 50 people. Um, well, you and this other designer hypothetically make it 52. What was it like being one of two designers and you guys probably sat next to each other, I would imagine?
1: We did for a little bit. We kind of like divided and conquered in a way. We like yeah. sort of aligned ourselves in different You guys had to go to have experience. lunch and sort of have strategy about yeah. how you're going to... Well, the other design. thing I think was really interesting is the the, the founder and CEO was a really like product-centric guy mm-hmm. and very... Um, close to the design process. He'd Mm -hmm. often, like, communicate his ideas, like, through design and stuff. Um, So in some way, it was, like, a design team of three,
0: you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It doesn't, from what you're saying right now, it doesn't
1: sound like he was, like, over your shoulder art directing either. No, I mean, it's interesting. I think that people had a variety of experiences with him. He definitely makes some pretty, like, explicit, like, requests about things. Mm -hmm. But I also think that because we um, had such a close working relationship that was just like one version of it. Like yeah. sometimes that would be how a thing would be, and then we'd like work through it and arrive at something else. It's pretty like healthy, like creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, it's not like there hadn't been designers before. It was just like at the moment there were none. Yeah, and it wasn't really. It didn't seem to be coming from a common point of view that was also understood around the organization as the point of view. Yeah, you know, so like some designs had been done, it seems, or maybe like there's a pocket of like design vision or direction or in parts of the product, mm-hmm. you know. For a year at some point in the past or something as I kind of, like, look at the history. It was a bit disjointed. Yeah. And so um, we just had to, you know, really build a foundation for what that would look like. It started by just doing work. We just, like, started, you know, designing the projects that were ongoing, you know. How did you – I mean – so that to me is sort of interesting
0: because I'm I'm in a similar place where I'm at now and I am – we have a creative team. There's five of us. The rest of the company are non-creative, soft-skill individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, some sales, some marketing, some account management, that kind of stuff. We do fashion trade shows. And at times, it is difficult to share design conformity across a few things. Across the overall brand, which is the company. Mm-hmm. Um Then also the trade shows. So we have like seven different trade shows and they all have their own, their different looks and feels. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm sure you've heard this before. Maybe not at Etsy is just make it look like X or make it look like Y or we like the design of one, two or three. Mm -hmm. And we've had talks internally, like how do we make design more consistent, more prevalent, and more important. Mm. It, I mean, it, it is those things, but they're often never together, and it's never consistent. It, you know, yeah. it's sometimes not at the same time. Yeah.
1: In general, those kinds of problems, I don't think that there's – I don't believe there are any environments where they don't exist. Yeah. Um, I do think that the nature of the environment, company of culture, whatever you want to call it, can have an impact on, like – how you choose to address them or your ability to address them yep. things like that. But we experience stuff like that all the time. I'd say that over time, it seems like we've gotten far less of the make it like X or something because we have built up a body of sort of consistently good work yep. for the most part. Yep. Um, and people generally understand or perceive that, even if they can't put language out it. there. They, we usually get more of the references that are like, make it like that thing you did before. Gotcha. Which is better. Yeah, it, it is. You know, and that's better, although often like sometimes that thing we made before no longer aligns with the trajectory where we're trying yeah. to take things now. Yeah. So it's interesting to explain why the thing you did for them last time yeah. is now no good. But at least they're referencing
0: <laughs> a library of work that is yours yep. versus referencing a library of work that isn't yours or and I've I've been in environments where this happened in it. These environments weren't bad, but you're at a you're at a company. Traditionally, you know, when I've worked in ad agencies and You've got two different groups pitching two different clients, and there's no consistency in their pitch decks. Yeah, sure. Which, is, to me, this is just my opinion. But yeah. that isn't that large of a problem. But if you're an agency of five people, that's easily fixable. If you're an agency of 500, that can be very difficult.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I think there's a um, a problem like that I don't think we would ever fix inside an organization like this complex. yeah. We can we can definitely, like, improve it and make it oh, better. Make headway. Yeah, We've yeah. done things like that over time. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, we have these experiences. Somebody, you know, quick, you have this thing tomorrow. We need to, like, have this, you know, meeting with these people and communicate this ideas. And the person at that moment is going to make a decision about what to – how to solve that problem. And it might be, like, use this software tool that's the thing they're really comfortable with, which might be divergent from your, like, yep. you know, your standard way of doing it. And in some sense, I think, like, that's fine, you know, if the tool fits. Um, it's more about the overall sort of customer experience of the brand. Yeah. Like, that's where I would optimize for. So some of these other things that happen, it's just sort of like, yeah. yeah. The well, designer in me wants it all to be super tight. Yeah. Well, but, some things you can be lenient on, yeah. and that's okay.
0: So, you know, I don't, it's interesting. It doesn't. It, it definitely sounds like you've had a varied career in your work you've been lucky enough that you haven't had to sort of jump or, jump around or bounce around a lot, which I think is good because it means, to me at least, especially mm-hmm. you know, before I did front end development, I was at four different agencies in two years. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was me searching for the quote unquote right fit. But I realized afterwards that it was less about the right fit, more about the right thing I wanted to do, mm-hmm. which I think is fair. I think a lot of people go through that. It's a little bit more prevalent now with people my age mid twenties or like you know out of college a yeah. couple years out of college luckily you didn't have that issue um, but it, is there anything like going through everything starting your own essentially you starting two of your own companies, mm-hmm. now working at this company when it was smaller now it's a lot larger, having all this knowledge what what do you what do you tell yourself when you were like you know if you can go back in time mm-hmm. And go talk to maybe yourself in high school or even, you know, yourself in college. What do you say?
1: Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Well, one, I I think that there's, I think the variety of experiences I've had has definitely sort of adds up to something that's very like vague. Work experiences? Yeah, or just life experiences. And I think that it's hard to, both of those are just sort of valuable. It's not like you must have all of these work experiences and then all these other non work experiences yeah. I we're just being like in experiencing life. I feel like there's been a good, like a good amount of variety for me. And that somehow added up to um, inform or be a part of like where I'm at now. And if I were to look back, I would say that I might even embrace more of those. Now for me, I love the sort of being at a sort of role or a job or a company or a project or a thing. I've always been attracted to doing that for a, a while. I'm pretty like patient, so I like what I get out of like working. I on feel something like that's a a, that's a good quality, but
0: it's also a hard quality to find. I think a
1: lot of people now are like on yeah. to the next. But I think that like even if that were true, I feel like I would maybe even welcome more, even wider other experiences. Yeah, you know, um, would have traveled farther sooner and things like that. You know, I think that when I've just been to other places and experienced other cultures. Feels super rich to me you know and like I love that um that's one thing but it's funny I'm not really like I don't look backwards very much yeah so it's hard to say like I would do this differently yeah I I mean
0: you know the premise of the question I guess is not so much of what you would do differently but there's any you know tips or advice or sort of what you said right the idea of like traveling farther a lot earlier yeah I think that that concept in itself extends not only to physical travel, but work as well.
1: Sure. Yeah. I think the other thing is we're like people, the sort of dynamic you have with individual people matters so much in your experience of the thing mm-hmm. that I don't know when I've committed to like work on things with people I genuinely enjoy. Mm-hmm. Seems to have worked. Maybe that makes it a lot easier for me to like be patient or stick with something yeah, for a long yeah. time. It usually makes it better end result, of whatever yeah. that thing is. Yeah. I would say, especially now at this point, that might even trump the thing itself for me. I never would have said that when I was probably younger, but yeah. like now, I would even that's bumped like really high in the evaluation list. I would say it's just like that sort of day to day experience of who I get to collaborate with mm-hmm. and how, how those what those interactions are like it's a huge difference in like my personal experience of it. And I think the quality of the output. Yeah. It's all, I mean, it's a very foundational thing. It's like when you have that dynamic, you have mutual trust and respect and mutual trust and respect lets you, um, let you take chances. You more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, And, um, allows, you know, in the moments where things truly are subjective or where you just have to make a call, you can do it without feeling like so burdened by it. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? I'm just going to make this choice. This is the guess. I'm going to be responsible for what happens after. Well, you know the
0: people behind
1: you, even if they weren't there,
0: they don't have context. They probably know that you made the best choice at the time.
1: Yeah. Like what I believe was best. And that's like, that's a very sort of liberating set of circumstances to be under. I feel like.
0: No, Um, I think you get, anyone gets to flourish when they feel they have autonomy and trust. Yeah, totally. Um, now, similar question, right, except to someone entering the, in your, your respective industry. Mm-hmm. So for the sake of this podcast, we'll call it design, um, not product design or anything, but just general design as it stands in 2015. You get, um, you know, someone reaches out to you via email, Twitter, or maybe not Twitter because it's really too short and concise. But maybe you meet someone at a conference or an outing or something. You're yeah. like, hey, Randy, I'm graduating.
1: Like, Any, any kind words of advice? <laughs> Yeah, one, I would say that um, the stuff that's already fixed isn't where the interesting problems are. So what I think, mean? I mean that as a designer, I think it's sort of naturally get attracted to the things that are like designed well. Mm. Or, okay. you know, like I want to work on that thing that I've seen that's a great, or I want to work at that company who does consistently great stuff. Yeah. But actually, I think there's really interesting problems in the places that haven't done that yet and where there's the opportunity to do it. So I think that's one. Like when you're when you're young, you might like sort of be like, oh, that place isn't cool enough. Yeah. But maybe they can be. You know what I yeah, mean? Maybe they the can opportunity do the time can, before. It, yeah, yeah it could definitely um, set itself So I think that's an interesting one. It's not to say at the other places, you couldn't obviously learn things, sure. but um, to not discount the stuff that on the surface doesn't look like you yeah. know, a cool problem or something. Um, the other I would say is to not underestimate the power of language and clear written communication. <laughs> I appreciate in every, that one. In every sense, in both making effective designs but also communicating your own design ideas or yeah. getting support or help from people or it's, selling your, you know, concepts. It, it's incredible
0: <laughs> how you saying you're hungry means something to you and slightly something else to me. It's... I didn't realize it until I worked in an industry where... I needed to work with clients and then I needed to translate that client's message to various parties involved. And oftentimes I big you client, you got no, no questions, nothing at all. And then you go talk to a developer and they're like, well, what about this, this and that? And then the designer's like, well, no, that messed with this. And, that. and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even foresee that. Like that's, they just want the logo bigger. Right. Or something really minuscule, sure. yep. but there's so many moving parts to everything. Yeah. It's crazy um there's one last question and it's the secret fun time question we ask it at the end of every show okay it's random and I have to make it up right now oh boy um (laughs)
1: man I like that this question is also a like an exercise in improvisation for you yeah (laughs) I I didn't think about that usually my formula is what does the
0: person like or what do they seem like like what would be an easy question and then do the complete opposite
2: okay (laughs)
0: Yeah. yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's good. Um if you could be the leader of any nation, what nation would it be?
1: Ooh. Oh no, I mean that's very And it gosh. can be
0: so this has no political bias. Yeah, right? I'm not gonna judge you. You can pick any nation you want, small, large, one we've one we've heard of, one we haven't.
1: Oh goodness.
0: This has probably been my best question today.
1: Yeah, man, that is a, it feels so loaded. Like, it's hard to you know, that. <laughs> you, know, you know, I pick the one that I just like the best. Like, that seems fun. Or is it the one that's, you know, got the most problems and needs the most help? Um, which then just sounds like extremely arrogant. Yeah. Uh, also, it could be very, I mean, being the leader of any nation is incredibly difficult. It feels to me like the only kind of like sincere answer would just be the United States because it's the one I'm like, it's the one that I, you know, yeah, like it's a part of me. It's the one I know. That's the, fair. No, the I one, think that's fair. It's the one I know the best. Would you be? Do you watch House of Cards? Never seen it.
0: Okay, good. Yeah, I say good. It's an okay show. It's some of the things in it, and I haven't seen season three, and I'm not going to spoil the show for anyone who's never seen it. But there's some things that happen in the show that to me are incredibly unrealistic for someone in a in a position of political power. Uh, any, any yeah. level of power in yeah. you know in DC, it's just like you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. But um, cool, Randy. Where can people find you online?
1: Um, they can find me uh, on Twitter at RandyJHunt or uh, at RandyJHunt.com
0: Cool. Well, Randy, thanks for joining me on the Start. Yeah, I appreciate thanks it. Thanks for
1: having. Me.